Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to another episode of It's 11, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans, for Leicester City fans. Not the greatest of times at the moment, not easy to record in these times actually for us, is it? But we'll, we'll give it a good go tonight. Joined by Steve and Tom, the two regulars, but also joined by BBC Radio Leicester's Owen Palmer-Atkin. Owen, how are you keeping? Yeah, other than the football, very well indeed. So uh, yeah, but it's the football, isn't it? That's the problem at the moment, I think for all of us. It is, it certainly is, yeah. How's things at Radio Leicester? Seems to be going well over there for you. I've seen you get name-checked by Fabrizio Romano and everything recently. <laughs> you know what? I think my I think my friends have res- never respected me more, um, <laughs> all, all because of that. It doesn't matter all the hard work and all the hard graph you put in or whatever you do, whoever you interview, uh, getting uh, getting name-checked by Fabrizio a couple of times. I mean, that that's taken me right up the social, the social ladder, so... Yeah, it's it's good, you know. Launch of our new podcast, or the kind of rebrand of our new of our of our podcast, and and all that work and the commentaries and everything going. All we need now is the football to improve, and uh, we'll have something much more positive to to talk about. But all good at Radio Leicester HQ. Well, we thought we were getting there, didn't we? Uh, this time last week, but uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about that as as we go through. It's great to have you with us again tonight. Uh, third season that we've run the podcast. Third season that you've come on it. So you were. Uh, in the old soccer AM style, we'll be getting a hat trick ball from us tonight, but unfortunately, we don't have any budget for that. So, just thanks, thanks for joining us. <laughs> no worries, no worries at all. Tom, great to have you as well. How's things? Looking forward to the weekend? Yeah, all good, mate. Um, you know, results aside, um, yeah, I am. I am still looking forward to the weekend. Um, it's one of those things at the moment where you're just sort of itching to get to every next game, aren't you? To to try and crawl up that table a bit. Yeah, it's like a losing run on Football Manager or FIFA. And <laughs> one more game and you're going to turn it around. It's definitely going to happen. Uh, but unfortunately, not so far. 
Uh, Steve, good to have you with us as well. You're in Dublin, of course, uh, in some dodgy hotel with dodgy Wi-Fi. So hopefully, dodgy get... airport hotel in Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made it sound a bit like a uh, a, a sort of motel, didn't have a. Yeah, you did a bit. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Good to have you with us again. Looking forward to uh, to the weekend as well. Yeah, uh, kind of. I'm not so sure about the City game. We'll see, won't we? Um, it's difficult to look forward to Leicester playing at the moment. It certainly is. I mean, just before we, we start properly, tell us a little bit about your podcast then. Is it called When You're Smiling? Yeah, so uh, it's the old Football Forum podcast from from BBC Radio Leicester. But the problem that we that we looked at was that um, it was called the Football Forum, but it had the Football Forum, the Tactics Board, the Boot Room, the Weekend Preview, all of it. So um, it's it's been something that BBC Sport and BBC Sounds have been doing for a while now. And if you look at all the different ones, there's a, a Radio Manchester one for for Manchester United, one for Leeds United, Nottingham Forest have got one with Radio Nottingham. So it's all about about uh, kind of the the new brand of, of podcasts and the BBC uh, podcast wise in sport, dragging itself into the 21st century, which is always nice. And uh, and yeah, it's called When You're Smiling. Um, it has all of the same shows that you that everyone would have listened to before, still there, um, but just got a bit bit of a, a new swanky sound and feel. And uh, and hopefully people enjoy them just as much as before. Well, that's yeah, that's uh, an excellent listen. The, the football forum used to be when I uh, used to listen on that. So we'll have to have a listen to when you smile in friend of our show, of course, Dominic Wells on there as well. He's mm. uh, he's a top man when it comes to his tactical knowledge, isn't he? He is. He's unbelievable. And the best thing about Dom is whenever I speak to him, I always feel like I learn something new about football. And this week we talked about why Leicester were conceding so many goals and the kind of uh, the, the tactical influence. He talked about sort of uh Europe-wide trends as to why Leicester were conceding goals and how every team in Europe are doing similar things. But is, is, are Leicester just a little bit unlucky with the way that they're going about things and, and what the pivotal point of all of that, he thinks, is the number six. So Wilfred Ndidi's form and the fact that Buba Sumare doesn't have the defensive attributes of someone like Wilfred Ndidi, he sort of took out and and said that is a real big reason as why Leicester are conceding so many goals. But Dominic's brilliant. His his knowledge of the game tactically is is unbelievable and, and a great lad as well. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, where you're a BBC man, so uh, if I ask any questions tonight you don't feel comfortable with, just uh, just let me know and we'll <laughs> swiftly move on. But uh, Steve, I'll come to you first in terms of the, the situation at, at Leicester. And are you surprised we're still here at the moment without a, a change of manager after the result we had again at the weekend? No, um, because, you know, the Forest result papered over cracks, didn't it? And they've decided to to give them a bit more time. So, I mean, even in the Forest game, I, I mean, we won quite comfortably, but there were Forest could have taken the lead and they had one or two other chances. So they hit the post, didn't they? And um, we scored two quick fire goals, got a third one before half time. But did that paper over the cracks? Because the confidence came back. Obviously, Forrest's confidence was shattered. And the way we started against Bournemouth, he thought, well, it's not fantastic, but we're in control and we don't look in any trouble first half, really. Um, we've got a goal up. And you think, well, maybe this is them rebuilding the confidence. But as soon as they made a few mistakes, let a goal in, it evaporated. And so I'm still left with the same question. Can Rogers turn this round, right? Can he actually get the players out of this slump, reinstall some confidence, 
in the players that he said are not good enough and he needs to sign another six or seven, right? Um, and turn it round. And I'm not convinced, even though I was a Rogers fan, as you know, and I stuck with him till fairly recently. I, I've seen no signs that he's doing anything different to turn it around, which worries me. Yeah, certainly does. Tom, can you describe the, the feeling at the Forest game? Let's go back to that positive moment because we'll come to Aaron in a minute and we're sure we all heard his commentary on the goals and uh, it, it was one of those that you sort of listened to a few times over, I certainly did, uh, but but it was a really good feeling, wasn't there, with that game? It felt felt like us as fans made a bit of a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, atmosphere-wise, it was it was up there with the 5-3 against Man U. You know, it was that kind of high. Um, and and as far as a sort of evening game goes, well, I mean, it, it, for me, it was better than Champions League football. So, <laughs> you know, the atmosphere was really rocking in there. Yeah. Um, We're going to yeah, get to I, take the piss out of Forest fans for an hour, though. A couple yeah. Of <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently we weren't making any noise and they were singing for the whole thing, weren't they? But (laughs) we know that's not true. (laughs) What sort of feelings do you get going into a game like that? I mean, did you feel like that was a massive game at the time and and so much sort of hung on it? And then afterwards, I guess with Saturday, there's almost a a bigger disappointment that we couldn't back that up. Mm, Yeah, definitely. I mean, on the the day of the game, I mean... um, I spoke about this uh, an awful lot. I'm I'm a Loughborough boy and grew up as a as a Leicester fan. So for me, being that kind of in the north of the county, that the forest forest games are always big uh, for, for me anyway. Um, and and the amount of mates that just seemed to crawl back into the woodwork after that night was it was incredible. I've never seen so many people so quiet on Twitter and Facebook. But the um, the, the the fact of the matter on that night was you had. Le- Leicester at bottom, Forest second bottom, and both managers can't get a tune out of their team. Both managers are struggling in the Premier League. You've got two sets of players who, they, one, one, one club signed no one, one of the, the other club signed everyone. And it felt like it was a, a real moment. It could be a real moment for either side. If they one side wins, then they have the real opportunity to take that momentum and and turn it into a run of form. And, and especially when you looked at Leicester's fixtures, we've been saying this for ages. You looked at Leicester's fixtures, Forest, Bournemouth, Palace, Leeds, Wolves, and you think anywhere between 12 and 15 points of that, and all of a sudden this season is a t- totally different season. Um, to win against Nottingham Forest... And if you take that game in isolation that night, as Tom said, you know, there's some of those, that, that will be a memory that we'll all remember. Everyone that was in the stadium that night, everyone who was outside the stadium, it was an incredible win over Forest. But in the context of this season means very little if you don't back it up against Bournemouth, which Leicester really, really failed to do so. And it's so frustrating that they give up the momentum, even if it's fan-led or Derby Day-led momentum, they gave it up and they had the crowd back on side all week. Brendan mm. Rodgers came out and talked about how, you know, he felt like he had his Leicester back. Um, and he did on that night. It looked like the, a Brendan Rodgers side. It looked like what we'd seen for, for you know, best part of three years. And then to put in the performance they did, especially second half against Bournemouth, just brought it all crashing back down to earth. It was just so deflating and so disappointing. It is. It's... Uh... It's probably one of the most disappointing games <coughs> probably since the last time we went to Bournemouth and threw away a 1-0 lead at half-time to totally capitulate. 
what does a match day look like for you then? I mean, just talk us through that, if you will. What time do you get to the ground? And, you know, do you feel those nerves beforehand that the, the fans will feel? Well, I think for a, a Bournemouth match day away from home, it's a long day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we we are on air from an hour before the game starts for our pre-match show with Jack and Pipes. And so we like, well, I say we, Pipes doesn't like this, but I like to get to the ground three hours before kickoff. Um, because that gives us obviously the hour that we're on the air. It gives us an hour to to go in and have a bit of food and just relax, set the kit up, and uh, and it gives us an hour in case of traffic for away games. Now for the home games, pipes will rock in about five minutes before I'm on the air. But I've been there for two hours, so it's uh, it, no, it's it's we get there as early as we can straight away set the kit up and uh, and make sure we're all dialed in and get all the wires and stuff sorted, and then. It's uh, it's just a bit of, I think for me personally, it's a bit of a time just to lay low. I, I have that kind of anxiety of not being on the air in time um, and, and something not working or you get there and the line doesn't work or, you know, you, there's a problem to solve. So uh, once we're dialed in, once we know where our seats are, I'm Sam then for the rest of the rest of it. I mean, for, for the game against Forest, I do get, I did get a bit nervous and a bit anxious, but that's a the kind of standard match day pre-match and then uh, and then post-match it's uh, chatting to the manager and <laughs> seeing what kind of abuse I get online. <laughs> yeah, that's not great, that's not, is it? And the, the stuff that comes with it from an online perspective. But you must be living your sort of boyhood dream a little bit here, doing the job that you do. And I bet sometimes, I think if it was me calling some of the action, you'd almost forget that you were you were doing it at the time. And, you know, you see it as you say it, or rather say it as you see it and uh, and go from there. Yeah, it, it, and it is a boyhood dream. I remember um, when I, I first emailed uh, Ian Stringer, who, of course, um, I spent so much time working with. I first emailed him when I was 11 years old um, about trying to get into into the industry and trying to essentially, you know, have a chance to kind of do what he did. I never, I never thought that it would ever come around so quickly, um, and I never thought that if you told 11 year old me that I was going to be doing what I'm doing now, calling that Forest game, for example, or the Roma game last season when I was. 25 26 I'd I'd never would have believed you but yeah so it's been, it's been, it's a it's a lifelong dream and I always say to my missus I always say you know if I wasn't doing the work I'd be in the ground anyway so it it kind of forms together too of the and I and I broadcast into to everyone and and all I can think of when I'm broadcasting is like my mom and my grandma and my granddad because they all listen on the radio. They don't they don't really go to the games anymore. So they all sit at home and listen to me. So it's just a conversation with them, really, which is which is always really nice. And, and obviously bringing it to the rest of the Blue Army as well. It's just it's a really special bond and, and one that I'm, I, I feel really proud of. Steve, it's uh, it's a. Uh special position to be in isn't it you know you look back over the years when you lived in Leicester before you moved up to Aberdeen you have Neville Folgers and people like that it's yeah. a real um position of privilege really to be in isn't it alongside the, the the manager and the players and the fans it is um and you become the voice of Leicester City for those that have to listen in on the radio that can't get to the games and obviously it's difficult to get to a game now if you're not a season ticket holder um, uh, and uh, a voice that we welcome into our living rooms or wherever it is that we're listening to the game. And 
and it's a kind of job we'd all love to do i think in many ways and um so you must feel very privileged knowing to to be able to do that and and provide that service to all those foxes fans yeah short of uh pulling on the leicester shirt it's the best job in the world <laughs> <laughs> there's still time if you're only 25 26 <laughs> could be the jamie vardy i don't we're, we're, we're all done now. Our, our football yeah. careers are long behind us now so <laughs> <laughs> Tom, going back to, we'll, we'll, we'll tweet this show as a bit of a wave. We'll go through the highs and the lows together, I guess. So thanks right. for sharing some of your insight there, Owen. But Tom, going back to Saturday, Patson Dacca, uh seems to be hitting a decent bit of form, doesn't he? It was, it was a real smart finish for him to send us 1-0 up. It was, yeah. Um, it's nice to see him getting a, a bit of a run and, and, as you say, bagging a few goals now. Um, because... I know, I know. Inacho's not getting a lot of playtime, but it's, it's just not looked tight at all, has he? And Vardy's really struggling. I mean, it, it's the sort of substitution that you're now seeing come on, and you're thinking you're not going to make a difference, which is disappointing. <laughs> and yeah, I can see your face there. You're <laughs> you're not happy with that. It's hard to hear, isn't it? You know, it's a, yeah. it's a legend. Uh, do you, do you think this might be sort of getting towards the beginning of the end for Vardy? But the thing is, we've been there so many times and he's come we've back. We've said this for about three years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think he just needs one goal. Possibly so, yeah. I just I just feel like when he came on at the weekend, he just, he didn't look up for it. It didn't look his usual self, you know. And, and I guess that's that's the feeling from most of our team at the minute. Yeah. Is Pat Sandaka the right man to lead the line now, Owen, do you think? Do you think... He is the number one sort of striker to go to. I think of the game against Forest when Vardy obviously got the shirt because of what that game meant. I think his passion was needed in that. But on a on a game to game basis, where do you see the uh, the options lining up? It's really interesting because as as you guys have just been saying, you know, it, it, this is something we've been talking about the kind of succession plan, the heir to the throne for Jamie Vardy for so long. We've been talking about this for an awful long time, and. Pat Sandak had clearly been identified as that. He's had his year to settle in. And, you know, he's, he, when he's played, bar the throwing himself on the floor um, three or four times a game, I, I think he, he effectively plays in the, the old kind of style of Jamie Vardy and that he'll run endlessly. He clearly is very pacey. He's able, I think maybe has a is a little bit better at linking the play up than, than Vardy, but doesn't possess the authority to lead the line at the moment. You know, when, when Jamie Vardy plays as the number nine, whether he's in good form or bad form, defenders are scared of him. But I don't f- feel like they have, that, that Dakar has that kind of same effect on him. So it's interesting. I, I, I find it really, really interesting that Brendan chose to play Vardy against Forrest and then talked about the reasons why. And he said that, he said in a, in a press conference, in an interview somewhere, that Jamie Vardy is by no means done. Um but now is the right time to start the the kind of transition because he doesn't have clearly too long too long left in his career. Um, but he, you know, he, but he, he still has the the quality. But I think historically, when you I, and I might have to check the numbers on this one, but I think historically, Jamie Vardy often starts seasons quite slow. So especially last season, I don't think he, he didn't score or didn't really play too well in the opening couple of months. But then between sort of now and December, January time, he went on a goal scoring run and, and was able to pick up a few goals. So 
Historically, I think Jamie Vardy might st- he clearly will have uh, a lot to contribute for Leicester over the next couple of seasons. But it does feel like now is the right time. And clearly Brendan's doing it as well, where now is the time to start that succession plan and really get it rolling into action. He must just like it when it's cold. It must be his port that he's got in his belly must be really like warming him through those periods and those months. <laughs> keeping him firing. Steve, it's not a time that we want to think of really, is it? The the time beyond Jamie Vardy. But as Owen said there, the transition has started. What mm. more could Pat Sundaka do other than score goals when he's playing, which is what he's done so mm. far? Yeah, well, Owen mentioned it a little bit, I suppose. Play with a bit more presence so that um, the defenders start to fear him in the same way that they did um, Vardy. And he doesn't have that presence yet. Um, he's very quick. Um, he's got a good shot on him. Um, as Owen said, he kind of links up the play well. But he doesn't scare defenders yet. Um, and it's something that I think you need to try and intimidate the defenders if you can. And he's such a he seems such a, a kind and gentle soul. He's got to learn that side of it, I think, yeah. and learn to bully them a bit more. Um, as for Vardy, what worries me is he's had quite a few chances lately. He had a few chances against Forrest. Uh, he had quite a few chances at Chelsea when I was there. And he's missing them. Um, and he was pretty ruthless before. So it's not that... I know in some games we haven't played well and he's not really got much in the way of chances. But he must have, have had 10 or 11 good chances so far this year and he's not put one of them away, which is unlike him. Yeah. And that's not something that should really go away, is it, in terms of... Uh... Over the years, that's something that he should maintain at a decent level. Yeah, and maybe he's feeling the pressure, you know, um, and maybe that's getting to him, knowing that we're going to concede some goals, at least two every game. It puts him under maybe more pressure when he is in front of goal, whereas before, you know, with Huth and Morgan and Fuchs and Simpson, you know, most of the time we didn't concede a goal, and if we did, it was one. So if you scored one goal, you were going to at least get a point. You might win the game. And so I think, uh, you know, the, where we are defensively doesn't just cause a problem in the defence. It puts pressure on the attackers. And yeah. maybe that's affected Vardy's game. Coming back to Saturday, Tom, half-time, 1-0 up. We looked fairly comfortable in that first half. I know pressure started to build at different times. What, what was your thoughts at half-time? Do you think we'd go on and see the game out and we were going to be back and out of the relegation zone? Yeah, as you say, I mean... Decent start, really, with Daka bagging the first goal. Um, quite a nice finish as well, right in the corner. Um, yeah, I, I almost felt comfortable. And then there was the odd moment in the first half where you're just thinking, oh, we are a bit leaky still. And we just didn't, we we just looked nowhere near like we did against Forest, basically. <laughs> you know, after, after two against Forest, you could see a third and fourth coming. But um, yeah, we we were just creating chance after chance that we sort of fluffed in that first half against uh, Bournemouth. And you're just thinking they're going to get a chance. And, and of course, the, the second half was just appalling. Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? Uh, I mean, when that first goal goes in, just talk me through some of the mistakes that were made in the, the lead-up to that and, and potentially why that might have happened. Because I think it started on the halfway line, didn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, the, trying to think back to goals that Leicester have conceded on the road. There's so many to choose, choose from, isn't there? At least um, it was only two. <laughs> That's the, uh, the well, best exactly. one. It should have been seven in sequential 
four, five, six that we've considered, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but um, no, it's. I think one thing you can look at with the goals that Leicester concede is that, granted, there have been some that are incredible finishes. I mean, you look at some of, like, for example, the 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 son one of the son goals at, at Spurs. Incredible, the Alexis McAllister at Brighton. I mean, he had the one ruled out, which was arguably better than the free kick that he stuck in the top bin as well. But Leicester have conceded really soft goals. And a lot of the, I think a lot of the focus gets put on the the back line, rightly the goalkeeper as well. And I'm sure we'll probably get onto that shortly. But um, I think a lot of, you've got to start looking then at at the midfield. Um, the the first goal that Leicester conceded, uh, the the billing goal on on Saturday. I mean, Yuri Tillemans does not press out anywhere near enough to 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 the the player who crossed the ball. I can't remember, it slips my mind who it was, but the player who crossed the ball for that goal, um, it it was nowhere near enough, you know. And and while fast was that played out right down the down the, the right hand side, wasn't he for for Bournemouth and. It, they just seem to be really soft, and I think it's it, it, the the problem for me isn't Leicester's defence; it's more the, the midfield area. And, and I, like I said earlier, what what Don kind of talks about in the tactics board about how Leicester really do, you know, struggle in that number six area, where which is the holding midfielder, the CDM, and indeed he's been in woeful form, and, and players are allowed to pick up the space to either side of him and also behind him in the line between him and the back line. He doesn't defend and doesn't cover that back line so well this season. And Buba Sumare seems to have no idea what a third man run is and people are just running past him and he doesn't seem to, he doesn't check his shoulders enough he, and he reacts too late. And by the time he does react, the ball is already in a position where he can't affect it. it it's so disappointing the kind of goals that Leicester are conceding at times, particularly recently. Um, and and I think it stems from the kind of midfield area. It's something Madison touched on in his post-match interview, didn't he? In, in one of the TV interviews, that they've got to defend better all over the park, and it's not just the defenders. Yeah. Um, when that happens, and you've got Samare uh, not tracking runs like that, when a team's playing well, that's the sort of thing that you don't notice, isn't it? Mm. Because they're just happening, but it's happening for us so often now that it's it's a real problem. Once the first goal goes in, though, Steve, you almost know what's coming straight after that, don't you? Yeah, it's like somebody had let the air out of the balloon, didn't it, straight away. I mean, if things just got worse, um, uh, people stopped wanting the ball, the intensity went. It's like the, it's like there was an inevitability as far as the players were concerned that that, that was it, you know. Uh, uh, we're, we're, you know, all the euphoria from Forest had gone, and oh yeah, we we can't defend. Um, you know, we're in trouble. We invited a lot. I mean, I just think we started the second half slow anyway. I didn't think we start the second half great. And um, what? How does that happen? I mean, it was the same at Chelsea, nil nil half time. Is it nerves? I, I don't know. I mean. Um, you know, whether Rogers is saying to them, great job, whatever, you know, keep it up. Um, and then they just lose their intensity. It's like they need a bollocking at half time just to get them going again. Um, yeah, very disappointing. It's to, and the confidence is so fragile. I mean, you could just see it evaporate mm. when the first goal went in. And we were lucky probably to keep it to two, weren't we? 
Potentially, yeah, they had a goal disallowed, didn't they, at the end as well? Yeah, they were offside, but yeah. We, we never really laid a glove on them, Tom, did we, after they went ahead? And I think that's disappointing as well. We, I think the, the commentator on the stream that I was watching legally... Um, <laughs> I can't believe you weren't listening to Radio Leicester. Yeah, yeah listen to Radio Leicester. The commentator said, um, you know, you can learn a lot about this team in the next 20 minutes now. Have they got right. it in to... to come back, have they got in them to even look like they were going to get back into the game? And we just never did, did we? No, no, we we just looked flat in that second half completely. And then, as you say, two two goals within the space of three or four minutes. If, you know, you've, you've got Ward flapping about at the back and no one really taking any responsibility for anything. I mean, the whole second half, I was just livid with the performance to be honest you know it was a lock it was an inevitability though it, it was yeah it's it's just so frustrating though because you come off the week before and you're thinking right we're turning a corner and and you're thinking yeah okay if we get one or three points at, at the weekend we can push on and it felt like it, as we've all said it's felt like the time to do it mm. and now you're just questioning again how are we going into that next game what what is the game plan? And I don't know. You you've got these up and down performances as well, where like fast the week before looked pretty solid. He looked like kind of what Sionku used to look like, going out and making tackles and just being a bit of a solid wall. Yeah. And um, he just wasn't tracking back at all in that. Like the, the people are walking back. <laughs> it's just yeah. unbelievable. Awful mistake for the first goal as well. I mean, it started with Keane and Dewsbury all, but yeah. I mean, just awful from fast but where's the leadership on the field and I think that's the issue no one's grabbing them and showing leadership on the field when things go against us I mean you go back a few years right we had Schmeichel in goal who's obviously gone and he was a great goalkeeper had his flaws but you couldn't argue with his leadership and his direction and his voice there at the back we had Wes Morgan who led more by example Robert Huth even Danny Simpson and, and people like Fuchs, Christian Fuchs, right? And um, and they've all gone, haven't they, really? We've lost that. We seem to have lost that leadership. And now we've got, like, Castagna, um, James Justin. There's no leadership there. Johnny Evans, disappointing. He's not had a great season. You don't see him showing any leadership when the chips are down. Um, Tielemans seems to disappear. Uh, when the chips are down, there's only Madison probably still fighting, and now he's one booking away from a, a suspension, you know. And obviously Vardy didn't come on until late, so I'm not seeing where the on-field leadership's coming to help us in those moments like that and pull the team together. I thought it's a fair comment, isn't it? With everything that we're seeing at the moment, um, at the end of the game, I mean, you would have heard loud and clear chants from the away end of "We want Brendan out, we want Brendan out." Um, can you understand? And was one of those, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, can, can you understand the frustration? Oh, totally. Um, I, I mean, you look at you, you look at the the form. Um, you look at the amount of points dropped. Um, you look at the the, the format throughout twenty twenty two. Actually, where there's eight Premier League wins, and we're in October. I, I mean that that and, and clearly being bottom of the table with a squad that is as good as Leicester's is unacceptable. And and it's so frustrating, as you guys kind of alluded to, 
you can see that capitulation in the second half happening before your eyes. I should have put some money on Leicester losing that game, but went because as soon as they as soon as they, they concede one, you know the second's going to come because mm-hmm. they they have this awful habit now that they they're going to really struggle to break out of. You just see how detrimental a habit can be and how easily it is to fall into them with the corners last season. And look how long it took that one to to kind of fix itself. It's it's shocking, and I can totally understand why 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 the fans are, are, are as frustrated as they are. I think Brendan understands why you know the, the the fans are so frustrated. And football is a fickle game, isn't it? Um, but our understanding, um, and th- this was something I, I kind of asked a few questions about in the international break, um, was that Brendan still had kind of a little bit of credit in the bank still from the from the FA Cup winning season, from two fifth place finishes, an eighth place finish, getting to the European. A European semi-final for the first time in the club's history, and I think when you actually look at it, he's actually got more trophies than bad seasons, and and that's that's not necessarily me sat here defending Brendan, but I, I think his his record maybe does allow for a little bit of uh, a little bit of extra time. What doesn't help though, and I don't think Brendan's helped himself with the way that he spoke. Um, all, all of the sort of second half of last season about that dreaded word, the refresh, um, and then you you get into the summer, and that clearly isn't going to be happening. And um, we spoke about it on the football forum last night, and um, Pipes was talking about how you know he probably would have been having conversations with players that he didn't want to be at the club anymore, and and that actually weren't going to be part of this refresh. And I, I personally think that Brendan would have wanted at, at probably five new players to come in because there is a, a really, really good article um, that was published, I think by the Guardian and the pipe sent it to me yesterday to have a bit of a read through. And it, it's, it's incredible, but it talks about manager shelf life and the, the best managers are able to refresh or change one real key aspect of every single part of a successful side. So Sir Alex Ferguson was renowned mm. for doing it with, with big players so no one was safe. You had to continually play for it. But he also changed his assistance quite regularly as well. So there was a different voice between him and the players. And success breeds success. And of course, you listen to what the gaffer says. He's won eight Premier Leagues in a row or whatever. Uh, Arsene Wenger, another one um, who was uh, fell away a little bit towards the end, but was able to change stylistically little bits and bobs. And there was a refresh of players every now and then. And Pep Guardiola is is perhaps the, the most recent one who you look at the amount of players that Manchester City turn over every single season. And you see Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus leaving and there was loads of other players. And they replaced them with one or two and and they're able, they just continually rebuild. And all of a sudden, you know, Haaland, he's the, he, you look at that Man City side and you think, Haaland's the only player they bought this summer who's come in. But there's another load of players that they bought underneath and a load of players they've got out. And Brendan Rodgers didn't get that. And he's at the end of that cycle. And I think the reason why the board will continue to back him, at least I think for another... So, I mean, you never know in football, things can change so quickly, but I think at least another two, three games is because they've invested so much in Brendan Rodgers. They gave him this big new contract when he was doing well. They've, they had their biggest ever net spend last season 
Sorry, if you see me jumping about, there's a fly in there somewhere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's all over the place. Um, uh, And so he had their biggest ever net spend last season. You, you, you see the continued development in the football club that I'm sure Brendan would have had insight into, particularly the training ground. And he would have talked about that. They allowed him to completely take away most of the medical staff at the club and bring in his own staff, the recruitment you know, side of things as well. Lee Congerton was uh, worked at Brendan, worked with Brendan at Celtic. So there's no doubt there was probably a link there. There's been a lot of investment over the time. And I think they want to give him as much time as possible. And we know they give managers time because look what happened with Claude Powell. And I think we can all sit here and agree. He probably should have been, he should have been relieved of his duties maybe a month or two before he actually was. But they, they do like to give managers a little bit of extra time to see if they can prove themselves and, and see if the loyalty pays off. We have to wait and see whether that happens with Brendan. And can you see him turning it around, Owen? Because he's obviously a good manager, but we're in a rut right yeah. now. Can so you no, see I have to remind him? you he works for the BBC and he has to remain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, I, I'm, I'm more than able to have an opinion on this, I think. But no, I, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because Brendan asked for a refresh. And he didn't get it. And he essentially said in, in, in February, didn't he, after that Forest game, when he started talking about, listen, I know this, this, this side needs a refresh. And he was asked about it pretty much in every single press conference um, before, and he didn't get it. And I don't know how much you can blame Brendan for that. He may have been told he was going to get more, but they, they weren't able to shift the players, perhaps. Um, I look, it's, I don't know. Is my honest answer. I don't know whether he can because I think he has all of the qualities to be able to do it. He has all of the players that are able to do it. But are the players still receptive to the ideas that he has? And are they going? Are they going stale? Uh, on the other hand, and it, it's to me, it's lying a fifty-fifty at the moment because there's too much quality in this squad to find themselves where they are. But something clearly is not right. Um, and, and they have this same soft underbelly that they keep showcasing every single week. I hope, I hope that Brendan is able to turn it around because I think he's the exact sort of manager that Leicester need. But I don't know whether he will. It's a great answer. Thanks very much for it. <laughs> uh, very measured. Um, Tom, is he going to turn it around? <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, I th- <laughs> it's hard that is it's a really difficult question because it's not just off the pitch is it it's on the pitch as, as you've all said there there's there's no leader on the pitch we've now got Evans as captain and uh and what's his name he still plays on the wing occasionally apparently his name then yeah sorry about that um <laughs> Is, I mean, we're all looking to these few games where we think this is where the points lie. Um, the fact is, if if we don't pick up some points soon, then we go into you know the break for the World Cup, and we've got a major risk of what you'd call the bigger players going in January, because if there is all this kind of all this rumor around Madison. I, I don't know. I w- would he be looking elsewhere? I, I kind of think now that he's, he's probably thinking, I'm at, I'm at the, the peak of what I can do in this club. 
that brings me nicely on to a, a bit of a quiz time now so you can show your superior knowledge uh, on this Owen I think over the other two lads so we play a game of last yeah, that won't be difficult Owen by the way <laughs> <laughs> James Madison scored his 50th Leicester City goal uh, against Nottingham Forest yeah he got his 49th and 50th, didn't he, against Nottingham Forest, uh, which puts him 30th on the list of all-time goal scorers for Leicester City. What I want you to do today is tell me any of the other 29 that have still scored more goals than James Madison. Bear in mind, a lot of these are from the history books by the looks of things, but there's some familiar names in there as well. Last one still in at the end is today's winner. So, Owen, as you're the guest, I'll start with you. Well, I'll go with Jamie Vardy to kick us off then. Jamie Vardy... Easy one, yeah. <laughs> Number three in the list, he has got 164 Leicester City goals in total. Uh, Tom? I'll go Riyad Mahrez. Is he not even there? Mahrez is 34th on the list. He scored oh, 48 geez. goals. <laughs> I, told you, I told you it might be quick. <laughs> and it's in all, all games for Leicester, is it? All, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to say Chandler then, haven't you? Arthur Chandler, 273, number one on the list. What was he like as a player, Steve? I don't know, Mark, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> Owen, back to you. Uh, Arthur Rowley. Arthur Rowley, number two on the list, 265 goals. That's one, two and three all gone. Steve? Was it uh, Hines, wasn't it? I can't remember if it's Derek Hines or Eddie Hines or somebody like that. He was like number four now, wasn't he? Vardy's just overtaken it. There's two Hines, is it? Is there? Yeah. I'm going to give both of these to you for that. Now I've said this too. Ernie Hines was number four, 156 goals. And Derek Hines was number five, 117. Right. You can have both of them for that. Well done. Did I miss the next go then? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like how we're taking these out in sequential order, by the way. It's, it's quite yeah, yeah. I'm going to go, um, I, I'm pretty sure he would have scored more than more than 50. Matty Fryer? He did score more than 50. He's the 18th on the all-time top goal scorer. He scored 62 goals for Leicester. Um, you're working with him quite a bit at the minute. Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, been coming on as um, our uh, one of our guests for the for the boot room every now and then. And uh, it's um, when I was growing up, and he was the player who I had on the back of my shirt um, back at, back in the Championship League one day. So it was a bit it was a bit surreal to be set opposite him in a in a in a, in a radio studio. But yeah, great to have him on and a really interesting insight into the game actually and the way that he, he the way that he sees it. So yeah, I think he'd be back on the boot room in a couple of weeks. So yeah, uh, make sure you're listening. Give that a listen. Yeah, for sure. He was a, a, a bright sort of shining beacon in that poor period of time for us wasn't he so uh he was thank him for those 62 goals <laughs> back to you um i'm pretty sure he scored more than 50 uh even though he was a defender most of the time stevie walsh steve walsh 20th on the list 62 goals as well Ooh. that's a lot for a defender isn't it mm. yeah he did play up front for a little bit but yeah it is a lot yeah back to you Owen. oh Still, some big names on this list. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not sure about this one, but I'm gonna risk it. Paul Dickoff. Paul Dickoff is forty sixth. Steve Marples, you've won a round of this. Ah, can I give you some more then? Yeah, I'll give, my, I'll give you my backup list. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I've got Gary Lineker, obviously. Yeah, Gary Lineker. Uh, Frank Worthington. Frank Worthington at the 13. The other ones I'm not 100% sure about. I, I thought Andy King had scored a lot of goals for us. Andy King, 19th on the list with 62. And 62. Stevie Linex. Yeah, 16. Um, and then I wasn't sure. I, I, I didn't think Lenny Glover scored that many for us, so I wasn't going to say him. Tony Cotty? No. No. Steve, have you got off fossils and foxes open to your yeah. right hand side? No, no, no. <laughs> he is one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an old, I'm an old fossil and a fox. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'll really quickly run through those. And so we've got Gary McAllister at 29, George yeah. Dewis, Huey Adcock, Jackie Sinclair. Never heard of them. David Gibson, um, Jack Bowers, Fred Shinton, uh, David Nugent at 22. Oh yeah. Steve Lionex, Steve Walsh, Andy King, Matty Fryer, Ken Keyworth, Frank Worthington, Alan Smith, Smudge. Oh yeah. Uh, Jack Lee at 11, Jimmy Walsh, John Duncan, Mike Stringfellow at 8. I did see Stringfellow play for us, yeah. And the only other one that you didn't get was Arthur Lockhead at 6. So there's some some old school names in there. But uh, yeah. valiant effort, nevertheless. Well done on that, Steve, for your uh, for your victory this evening. Is that the first one you've ever won? No. I think um, that's the <laughs> one I've won this season. If Tom, if Tom wins one, we're all on the pitch. just last 10 minutes of the show then let's talk about the the game on saturday at crystal palace what sort of reception tom do you think the guys are going to get on saturday from the crowd do you think it will be as hot as forest or do you think we're going to have to we're going to have to really show our support to to get the guys up for it again um (laughs) certainly not as hot as forest um I think there's, there's just this thing of us being in limbo, isn't there? We we just need another win. But I don't know. I, I, I'm really worried about Saturday now, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, coming out of that Forest game, I was thinking, right, we're going on and we're winning the next one for sure. But I don't know. I, I think I think the character's just, just not there. They're coming thick and fast, though, aren't they, Tom? So, you know, you're looking at a, a week's time, we'll have played another three games. Um, yeah, lead, lead, can, lead, can lead, it change lead. very quickly in football, can't it? It can, it can, but I don't know. We, you know, we, we're wondering now who's who's the leader on the pitch and who's the leader off it. So it's it's really hard to um, to be positive about it. But I suppose you know, as, as you know, I'm sat right next to you when when we're there, so we're always cheering them on. But we'll give it I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bit spiky. Have you have you heard anything from Brendan Rodgers this week? Uh, Owen, if has as much come out? What, I guess what I'm asking, what sort of mood is he in and how is he going to lift the, the lads ahead of the game on Saturday? Yeah, well, he's going to hold his uh, pre-match press conference on Thursday this week. Um, so he'll uh, we'll find out a little bit more and have a bit of a chat with him on on Thursday. But uh, but I asked him after the game against Bournemouth about how how do you go about rebuilding mentality? How do you turn this around? Because so far this season, we've only seen one kind of classic Brendan Rodgers kind of performance from a team, and that was against Forest. So I said, I asked him that, and he said that it was it was quite easy to turn it around. They've got to find consistency. They've got to find um, they've got to find a, a you know a, a stronger mentality this week and. I don't know how you do that in just five days once they're back into training on on Monday and ahead of the game on Saturday. It's difficult, really, really difficult. But 
I, I can. Brendan keeps saying that he has the desire and he has the fight to keep this to keep this Leicester City side going. I think we're yet to see that, um, other than the game against Forest. So it'd be interesting to see tactically if he if he tries anything different this week or or exactly how he tries and get these players up for it. Because as Tom mentioned, it, the, the you know the crowd is not going to be like the Forest game, and they're not going to give them as much of a chance as they did in the Forest game either. Because if things go south in the first 10, 15 minutes and say Leicester concede uh, in in that time, I I feel like it could turn very toxic very quickly. So they've got to get it right. First 10, 15, 20 minutes. And they normally do in the first half. The first half really haven't been a problem um, so far this season. And uh, so they've they've got to get it right in the second half as well and make sure they don't drop those levels after half time. And, you know, as you say, things can change in football very quickly. If if you add just half of the points that Leicester have dropped from winning positions so far this season, they'd be ninth position in, at the, the very least in the table. So, so that just shows you, you know, if they do improve on that record, that where they're able to get to. It's scoring goals isn't a problem, Steve, is it? You know, I think we scored. Oh. Uh, is it is it fifteen goals we've scored so far this season? Yeah, are we like fifth or sixth highest yeah. scorer in the league or something? Yeah. Just Worst defence. Um, yeah, uh, look, you've got to have hope, haven't you? I hope the fans try and recreate. That. It's never going to be quite the same as a playing Knott's Florist, but um, I, I think they really played a part in that victory. And if they can just try and stay positive and behind the team, those lucky enough to go to the past game, I, I think that's, that, that's got to help us. But I, you've just got to hope that we nick another win because you get two wins in three games... And that doesn't seem too bad again, right? You know, but if we fall apart again um, in the second half or whenever we might do and not get the victory against Palace, it's going to further drain the confidence. So uh, it's fine margins at the minute. If somehow we can get a win against Palace, they might say that Bournemouth was the blip second half. You know, we did all right first half and it might give them a bit more confidence back and we might nick another result against Leeds. And then the confidence really starts to come back. So I think that's all we can hope for right now. Um, sadly, I've seen nothing in what Rogers is doing or saying to tell me he can turn it around. And that's what worries me. You know, I think he is a good manager and he's done a good job at Leicester. But is he the man for now? I'm unconvinced, but I'm, you know, I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope that we get a result. Yeah, I think that was a similar thread that your, uh, your mate Matt Piper posted a video earlier saying, you know, he believes Rogers is. A, a top level coach, top level manager, but maybe just not the right manager for Leicester right now. I would absolutely love it if everyone was proved wrong and we, mm. we could turn this around. I think the the feeling is that maybe we can't, but you never know, do you? We're going to every game with with that hope. But I guess my question is how do you how do you freshen this team up when you've got no real personnel to change as such? Uh, no massive leadership to come in, no players really coming back from injury to give that that a boost. Uh, five days after such a blow, Tom, how, how how do they go about really creating a bit of a blank canvas for them? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the players have got to look at individual performances if you're asking that. I mean, you, you touch on, you know, there are no other players that we can call on, really. Um, so why wasn't um, Tillemans up for it? What's going on with John Johnny Evans? Um, you know, got the goalkeeper's an issue, but there's nothing we can do about that. So, we, we, you know, we've got to pick a goalie and stick with it or or, or twist. Um, 
so yeah, it's, I don't know. I think I think the individual players have just got to have a look at their own performances and and really step it up for the next game. You know, it's it's getting silly now. I mean, we're the squad we've got. It's it's a laughing stock that we're bottom of the league. It really is. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah, I think we need some positive psychology. You know, if we keep focusing on trying to cut out the mistakes that everyone's making, right? It's quite negative, and I don't think that helps the mood. But if we focus on what this team is capable of doing, right, and get them bought into a vision of where we could end up at the end of the season um, and get their individual commitments to play their part to achieving that, then it, it, you, you're moving forward rather than looking backwards at all the things that are, are amiss. And, uh, and if, they're, if they are doing that, if they're studying all the mistakes and all the things that are going wrong, I think it's very difficult. You know, sometimes you've got to draw a line and say, that's not helping. Let's look forward. What is this team capable of achieving? And what are you individually going to commit to to help bring this about and get them focused forward rather than, you know, let's cut out all the errors. That's a good enough war cry for me, Steve. <clears throat> I'm ready for Saturday now based on, on that. Um, before we finish off tonight, I did put a message on out on Twitter early asking for people's positives that they're going to take from the, the situation that we're in at the moment. And I have had some some responses back from that. So the, the overriding response from a few people was James Madison Owen. Uh, what a season he's having at the minute. And hard to believe he's not in the reckoning for the World Cup, isn't it? It's shocking that he's not because he's the most uh, well. He's, he's the he's the best midfielder numbers wise um, in the Premier League at the minute. That's 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 English. So that there's it's absolutely shocking that he's not going to be on that plane to Qatar. If he is, I'll be surprised. I'll be I'll be buzzing for him, but I'll be I'll be surprised because um, Gareth Southgate is crying out for a creative midfielder who can take the game by the scruff of the neck in the middle of the park and play off that right-hand side, play in the 10 if need be, but seems to persist with Conor Gallagher and Mason Mount who offer very similar things, I think, but no one, no one in the Premier League really does what Madison does. And, mm. um, especially English players. So yeah, he's been he's been incredible this season. He's been the man that that Leicester have looked to in a Jamie Vardy like fashion. I think when when the chips are down, he is is one that, that fans look to and I think players look to him as well. He's he's incredible and shown every bit of why he is he is a, definitely Leicester's best player uh, in, in the squad at this moment in time because he just has the quality to turn a game on his head. Absolutely. He's having a superb season and we, we wish that continues all the way through this season, of course. Um, another couple of messages about the only way is up. If you're 20th, it can't get any worse, can it? That's, that's a really good point. Uh, and we're only six points off Liverpool, uh, someone else has put on there. So if you're offered, if you're offered that 10 games into the season, only six, point, six <laughs> points from Liverpool, you'd have probably took it. But it's a bit of a double-edged sword. So I think it's really important to try and finish on a bit of a positive, really, because... We, we have achieved so much in the last few years, haven't we? We've had so many good times watching this team. You call in the uh, action as you see it, Owen, and it's going into Europe and those great European trips as well. But, you know, I don't think we're finished yet. And I, I'm, I'll be right behind the guys again on Saturday. But that's really about all, all we've got time for tonight. Owen, thanks so much for joining us yet again. We really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. I'll give you a shout again next season. Uh, we'll, we'll continue this. And, uh, you know, I hope the future is, uh, is is bright for you. And I hope any uh, any positives that you face along the way are, 
outweighing any negatives that come with online abuse and stuff like that because that's a it's not a great situation to see when that happens uh well you know it's you know I think uh, abuse being thrown at a local reporter is never a new thing. I, I'm not the first, and I definitely won't be the last. But um, yeah, when uh, when when Leicester lose, let's try not to lash out at those who have no bearing of what happens on the pitch. Eh? <laughs> that that I can create a snippet of, and we'll post that on the online. <laughs> but thanks so much for joining us. We really do appreciate you, and uh, and enjoy seeing your your success uh, at Radio Leicester. So thank you for that. Yeah, thanks, Owen. Steve, no worries, thank, thank you. you for joining us again. We need to get get you down for a game at some point soon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And Tom, I'll see you on Saturday for uh, an early kickoff. You will means, indeed, mate. Which means a few beers afterwards. Going to need it. Celebration, Tom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Celebration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but that's it, guys. <laughs> Thanks very much. But that's another episode of It's Eleven at Seven for Jamie Vardy, and we'll join you again next time.
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.